Welcome to Anyone Can Play Guitar, where we learn every Radiohead song in order on the guitar. My name is Austin Diaz. And I'm Nick Kendallsperger. Nick, we made it. We're at we the Benz. We are at the Benz, officially. And uh, so we had a preview last week with My Iron Lung EP, and we were pretty impressed, I would say. Yeah, it was maybe a boring episode because zero conflict, lots of praise. I mean, we didn't like every. I didn't like everything. Um, I, I liked most of it, I guess. I liked some way more than others, but now we're into the real deal album. And so this was released in 1995. Were you uh, listening to a lot of alternative rock around that time? If it came on the radio in my parents' car, uh, I was. Or I was listening to it in secret on my headphones at night with like the Walkman that had the radio um, that I could tune to different forbidden radio stations, um, which is how I discovered Silverchair. Oh, whoa. Who I had forgotten until I kind of was diving back into 1995. I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you here. Here's okay. some I'm gonna, I've got some alternative rock riffs that I'm gonna play, and we're gonna see how long it takes you to recognize them. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, I'm gonna fail, but yes. Okay, well I'm gonna start. I'll start off easy. Okay, this is Bullet with Butterfly Wings, Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> okay, okay. Oasis Wonderwall. Ooh, okay, you got it. Are you, you playing that it? with a, a? You play that with a capo? Yeah, on the second fret. Uh huh. I always just played it without, but okay. This this one might be harder. Yeah, that's Everclear, father of mine. <laughs> no, no, you're close. Oh wait, it's not father of mine. It sounds no. exactly the same. Uh, it's Everclear for sure. It's Everclear, and you it's, got that. Oh, I have no idea. If it's not Father of Mine, what's the name of the song? Santa Monica. Ah, yes, Santa Monica. Okay. Now, this this one I haven't learned that much, but this is the last one, okay? Okay. You guys, lightning crashes? <laughs> Live? You got it. I didn't even make it to the third chord. Oh, I, yeah. So. But, I mean, like, yeah, when you have that little, like, pause... Okay. Here, I'm going to throw one more in just because I learned it and there's nothing else to do with it, okay? Okay. Oh, oh. What is that song? Hold on. It's Green Day, right? That's all I made. <laughs> Who is that? Wait, what is that song? It's better than Ezra. Good. Oh, shit. So good. Good. Yeah. I tried to learn Possum Kingdom by Toadies. Oh, but I, it, I learned it. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, I used to love that song. Went back and listened to it, and um, it's uh, me, me too. Anthem. It is not. I learned some more of it. Don't be afraid. 
<laughs> so help me, Jesus. Yeah. That was a big hit on the bus. I remember yeah. being on the school bus and hearing that one. Um, but let's let's move on to Radiohead. Mm-hmm. So as we mentioned last week, the, this was produced by John Lakey uh, with Nigel Godrich in tow for as engineer. Let's just let's get right to it. Let's get to the first song on the album, which is Planet Telex. This one is unusual because they recorded it using a drum loop from uh, Killer Cars, actually. Which is amazing. And Tom apparently recorded his vocal while drunk and slumped in a corner. Yes. It sounds, I I mean, once I read it, I was like, yes, this makes sense. I have always liked this song. Recently, I've become convinced that it might be one of their best songs. Mm Mm-hmm. I am astonished by this song. Explain. I just think everything about it just is off kilter. The way the song is set up, where these the chords just keep falling back on top of themselves, mm-hmm. is really mesmerizing. But how do you feel about this song? I didn't really pay that much attention to it earlier, I think, because I just wanted to get to the bends, like okay. the title track. But my appreciation of it has grown. It's one of those things where since I read that Alex Ross article in The New Yorker and Tom has this quote in it where all he has is pedals, right? If it wasn't for pedals, he wouldn't know what, he wouldn't really be writing music. And this is a perfect example of pedaling, where it's where you're, you're keeping the top tone note, but then changing the between minor and major voicings of it. You know, so that's, I mean, that is that... Um, Going from the A to the A minor, that's just pedaling, mm-hmm. and then when you get to the verse, like it's like the, the B with the whatever that, it, and then you go to the minor. And so it's just sort of like using the B as a linchpin around mm-hmm. which to turn different chords, and it's a really brilliant technique, I think, that stands out because just in pop music and in alternative music, like when I we I was learning some of these other 1995 hits. People aren't doing that. The way it is introduced and the drum beat that comes in, this is just a song that never gets old. It sounds, it doesn't sound like a 1995 song in the slightest bit. No. The way that it works tonally is that it's it's, it's always this sort of consonance. I mean, they're, they're just going from like, if you, if you assume that it's in E major, and then you're pedaling mm-hmm. to the different tonal chords. I mean, like, it's going to, like, the perfect fourth, the perfect fifth. There's not any sort of dissonance or assonance. It's just consonance the whole way. And so it's sort of like this Gregorian chant of a song. But when they throw in, like, the A minor and the B minor, it just throws it off a little bit, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's still sort of melodic, even when you go to, like, an A minor that you wouldn't expect. But, God, it just sounds, when it gets back to the E for the chorus, it is so comforting Mm-hmm. And then he sings, everything is broken. <laughs> right. But, it, you know, and it, but it's brilliant, right? Because he, uh, he waits, right? It's like, everything is pause, uh-huh. pause, pause, broken. Oh. Broken. 
you know, because, you know, everything, everyone, everywhere, this, this is a very common sort of rock, rock, pop, pop mm-hmm. word, right? But then it's usually used in a positive sense. Everything is okay. Everyone is happy. Yeah. And then he's like, nope, broken. Everything is broken should feel immensely sad. <laughs> and maybe as a teenager, I, I didn't even notice it, but the, wor- the chords sound triumphant. This is sort of actually getting back to creep for mm-hmm. a little bit. But as you get older, like I don't trust anyone who isn't a little broken or a little crazy because there's just no way you can go through life without sort of the weight of everything sort of breaking you a little bit. And so when I listen to the song now, it makes me feel really positive inside because it's sort of an absurdist claim, if you believe sort of in the absurdism movement of, you know, everything is broken, but, you know, that's okay, because we're all broken. Yeah, it's, um, I feel like such a nerd, but I'm like bringing up Schopenhauer for the second time on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's exactly something that he says, once you recognize that everything is broken and that you are a suffering human being, it's actually freeing, because then you realize everyone that you meet is also suffering, and either you can mm-hmm. help them through your kindness to, to also recognize that. And they can also then have more empathy with those around them. It's a, it, it is like also in Schopenhauer, it's a sort of like triumphant declaration. Yeah. Like I'm a suffering human being. This is great. I would never have caught that when I was younger. It never would have occurred to me. It took me getting older and reading more before I was able to really appreciate this song. Mm-hmm. And so now what I put this song on is really moving to me. Um, the only thing that I also wanted to say is having listened to Pablo Honey a lot for the past episodes, um, you know, if you put on this album after you put on Pablo Honey, like you can tell that production makes a difference. Oh my God. I mean, yeah, this song totally is right. just so much better produced. Mm-hmm. Every aspect of it, it just this is sounds a better. a monumental leap. I mean, I know we already talked about it in regards to My Iron Lung, but can you imagine if you had gone, if you didn't even pay attention to that EP? Which I didn't. This? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you jumped right from Pablo Honey to Planet Telex, you're just like, holy shit. Like they spent the time, got a producer who was amazing and are taking risks right at the beginning. Well, just all, immediately on this song, you feel they don't have that, they're not using the three guitars to just create a wall of sound, Mm-mm. but they're all in like, they're sort of different important corners. And then you have the drum loop, which is just amazing. And we can call it, I'm officially calling it, Colin, the bass god is here. Yeah, he's arrived. He's arrived. All of a sudden, Colin isn't just in the middle of the mix. His bass part completely catches you off guard. Okay, so we, I think we like this one. This one's all right. So I haven't even started learning the second half of the album because I really want to keep it fresh, you know, mm-hmm. as we're learning these. But this song is just outstanding. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to find a better song is what I'm trying to say. Oh. That's, that this is, is a... where I'm I'm laying down the, like, if you want to know what kind of Radiohead song I love and what style, like, this can show you so much. This is a big statement. Um, I know, it's a big statement. We're starting off huge. I mean, I haven't even talked about it. So the Benz, I I obviously love the Benz. There's just no question about it. But I would probably rank this fourth or sometimes fifth on my list of favorite Radiohead albums. 
So I'm coming into this album as not a, a doubter of the Benz, but this is not my favorite Radiohead album. I mean, it's not my favorite Radiohead album either. I don't actually know where I would put it. Sometimes I like uh, a moon-shaped pool more. That's where I am. Oh, I'm not there yet. But this song especially, holy cow. All right, well, let's move to the next one. The Benz. The Benz. Before we really dig in this, we have to, we have to admit at the front that this song sort of has meaning for us as friends. Yes. We actually went to DePaul University in Indiana and were freshman roommates, mm-hmm. and we played this song all the time. And we played it in public. I mean, like... Yeah, we played it in, like, coffee shops and things like that. Yeah, that was a good time. It was a good time. But when I was learning this song, I had a panic because I can hear so much of Pablo Honey in the beginning that I, I had a breakdown of like, oh no, this song is going to get ruined. I had a similar crisis of identity. Really? With this song. I really, oh my. I mean, because I, I hit that, I didn't have to look it up really. Like I really remembered it. I was like, yeah. I was like, nope, nope. I've already played these chords a lot. Right? A lot. It, It really was like, I don't even want to learn more because like, I don't want to ruin like that memory. And then sort of a minute or so in things start to change. And then all of a sudden I was okay. Yeah. I think I, I think I know uh, Uh where that, where that happens, but I would, I I have, I have a theory. No, but I want to, I want to hear what part you felt better. It's, it's when they get to the second verse and he, instead of just playing it, they go, I need to see myself again. Hot all the pain because I've been scared. Right. So it's because they, they didn't just repeat the verse the same way as they did before. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to the drop in all out and there's no guitar. It feels like this song, I mean, My Iron Lung was such a drastic break but if this song had been the song they released in between as an EP, this would have made so much more sense because it feels like a Pablo Honey beginning that starts to break away mm-hmm. and come out of itself as it goes on. And the song gets better and better as it goes along. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Okay. I mean, because even when you get to the first... I was I was so worried I was going to break, like <laughs> it was going to be the end of the whole thing. No, I... <laughs> Um, no, it was really, it was really difficult. I mean, because especially like the opening and even in the first verse, it was almost, I was prepared to say like, okay, this is a bit of a letdown after the My Iron Lung EP, Mm -hmm. because there's so many interesting ideas and there's not that much interesting here at the beginning. I remember that, okay, but when I play sort of the beginning, that's the whole song, pretty much. Like if you have the intro and then you have the verse, it doesn't change. You're just sort of like swapping those parts back and forth. But for me, what was what changes the, mo- changes the moment actually right before the second verse, where it's like, oh, okay. Uh, 
So. Can't. Right. <laughs> and so, like, I, I had to didn't be investigate why that was um, so salient in the language of that one book. And it's mm-hmm. because, like, the chords and the chord progressions are really quite standard. You're just, like, have, like, first, thirds, fourths, nothing really strange. And then, I mean, even that A is the perfect fifth of mm-hmm. what you're looking at. But then Johnny, with that solo, he's playing non scalier notes like he's playing okay. all those notes and they're, he's really hitting them and they're outside of the scale huh. right and so like with that like very catchy sort of solo part he's kind of breaking apart the tonality of the song and just really disrupting it and then it leads into that what you said where this sort of more deconstructed verse that, yeah. is, that is much more catchy and it's just almost as like they start out very traditional. Johnny comes in and has this really atonal guitar line that's quite easy to learn, but it just really sticks out. And then yeah. from then on, the song is just better. I love uh, verse four, the I want to live, I want to breathe, I want to be a part of the human race. Like yeah. we've left Pablo Honey all the way. Yeah. Like it feels like we just like took off and then now we're all of a sudden in a completely different lyrical frame of mind and everything. And then I do like when it gets to the end. By the time we're in the outro or the weird, it feels like we've gone on a journey, which Mm -hmm. I I remember bringing up many times during the Pablo Honey era that I just didn't feel like these songs went anywhere. They had interesting parts and I enjoyed them. But by the end of this song, I feel like we've we've covered some ground. Yeah, I mean, because then the then the solo, the proper solo is so triumphant that then leads into your favorite verse. I mean, leads leads into this uh, want to be part of the human race, right? Like this triumphant, like swelling again. Okay, well, that's good. I mean, I think that I feel bad. I was really worried coming into this, but I think we both had the same read of it, which is fascinating. And I would not have thought this way about the song had we not gone through Pablo Honey first and learned all of that. I feel the same. And it was, it really was a crisis. I had a bit of a panic. Because I did, yeah, totally. I was so excited to get to this album because I remembered these songs and I was like, oh no, do I not like this? I know. Remember when I was saying if this ruins the bends, I was going to get so angry? Yeah. And I meant the whole album, but like, <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, this is not going to end well. But I feel so much better now. Okay, so let's move on. Next song is High and Dry. Tom York actually wrote this song in college. With his band, The Headless Chickens. Right. So he he just played with The Headless Chickens. That was like just what he did for fun. They weren't super serious as far as I'm concerned. And this song actually has gotten a lot of flack from the band. They were not particularly happy with this song being on the bends. I think because it was an old song and it was an old recording. This recording happened in 93 before any of the recording for the album happened. Even the drum part? Yeah. Ooh, okay. 
Maybe because that's what makes the difference, at least with the older version. Looking at this song, I'm just amazed because I, I, in the first episode, I made some crack about how Radiohead didn't do songs with only three chords. And this song is only three chords and it's one of their most popular songs. Yeah. So I was wrong. I totally failed in that respect. I mean, I agreed with you, I think. So we were both wrong. We're, yeah, okay. We're both wrong about the three chord thing. Though this might be one of the last ones. <laughs> I'm not going we'll to agree this time, so I can't be no, wrong. No, no, <laughs> it could be wrong. Um, how do you feel about this song? Before I really dug into the bins, I like learned the bin, because I didn't really need to learn the bins. I just sort of like went through it and I thought, okay, this is a bit what I know already. I'd never learned high and dry just because I knew I couldn't sing it or I didn't want to mm-hmm. try and sing it. For some reason, I thought it was an open tuning because it sounds so ringy and open like a Goo Goo Dolls song or something and so it's like okay I don't want to retune my guitar um, and it's not at all mm. and then I learned it and I was like Whoa, there's not much going on here okay but then I enjoyed playing it I have to admit I like to play this song I mean like that I mean it just yeah. sounds nice I have to admit that I actually like this song more now than I did before. More, um, okay. More. I like. I. I don't. I have no. I. I get why people don't like this song and why it's sort of considered a step back. But I mean, why on earth wasn't this on Pablo Honey? There's no excuse. <laughs> and it is so open-hearted and genuine in places that he never was on Pablo Honey. It has such a ringing beauty to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that while the chords stay the same, basically, through the whole song, they find a way to give it texture and to give it um, surprise for each section in a way that is really captivating. And I, I think it all starts with that drum beat. I mean, there are very few songs where when they start playing the drums, you're like, oh, that song. Yeah. Immediately. Like, I know that song. And Selway's part is so distinctive and sets the tone so well. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is the best Radiohead song, but I understand why people liked it so much, especially at the time. There's not a lot there, but I mean, even the, the chords that are used are quite interesting. Right. So it's not just uh, an F uh, sharp minor. It's an F sharp minor 11. <laughs> yeah. So... And then if you leave those strings open, it really does give it that gorgeous quality. And then you're not playing an A, you're playing an A suspended two. So then when you do hit that E, it does, it feels firmer. Right. It it feels comfortable to be there. Oh, that's a good way to put it. And I get that this song maybe inspired a lot of other bands that aren't as critically acclaimed as Radiohead. So I think that might be why that some people have issues with it. But this is still, I mean, I, I, am, I am just floored that they didn't want to put this on Paolo Honey. I, I am too. I mean, when you think about some of the songs that they did include, Thinking About yeah. You, You, almost every, all of the songs with you in the title <laughs> <laughs> could have been replaced. Yeah, and it, it, you know, and that's what is interesting about this song is that there's nothing that really prepares you for it from their previous work. Mm-hmm. This seems like 
people will make fun of this song as being, I don't know, early Radiohead or whatever, but like th- they didn't do this on Pablo Honey. Thinking About You doesn't sound like this. No, not at all. What is the song about? So it's sort of about evil Knievel, if you think about it, but it doesn't, I don't know what the high and dry. Yeah. I mean, I know what high and dry means in the expression, but. I hadn't seen that about the evil Knievel, but I remember when I was younger, I thought that this was about somebody who would just like to do jumps on his bike. And so he's doing jumps on his bike and then he's paralyzed, right? So that's why he still can't, he can't make love anymore. That's why he's wishing he could still make love. Mm. And like everyone is leaving him high and dry. Okay. He doesn't have these relationships anymore. And upon listening to it a lot again and playing it again, I'm sort of just convinced that that's what the song is about. (laughs) I can't. It does sort of have a Pablo Honey-ish sort of doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. Um, The lyrics aren't great. They're not great. Um, And they're saved only by like, just the falsetto is fantastic. He just has such an identity with the high notes that others don't have. I mean, you know, you have um, Coldplay, Travis, Muse. They're also then hitting these high notes later, inspired by the song, and it just doesn't sound the same. Yeah. Coldplay's the closest. I don't want to hate on Chris Martin too much. I have a little love for Coldplay, I'm not going to lie. No, (laughs) I mean, uh, those first two albums. But we'll not get into that. Yeah, okay, we don't. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so we're, we're pretty okay on this song. It's it's not it's not in, totally interesting. I'll just say that. I mean, I like to sit around and play it because it's quite easy, and I've uh-huh. I've I have I have liked to challenge myself to try and sing it. Okay, that's a that's a good way to put it because I was worried that learning it would make me like it even less, and I found sort of the opposite. I find it fun as a song. I think it's a really good song. I think it's a good melody, mm-hmm. vocal melody. Like I think he really makes it. Yeah. But okay, that's good. Right? Okay. Yeah, I think we can we can move on. We can move on. Yeah. To another acoustic number, or at least it starts off acoustic, is uh, fake plastic trees. Town full of rubber plants to get rid of How do you feel about fake plastic trees? I I want to digress a little bit at first. I mean, it's still about the song, but I I find that the sequencing here is all off. On the bends. On the bends. And I feel like you can feel the tension to the album that the record company wants them to make and the album that they want to make. We talked a little bit about how we thought it was surprising having learned my iron lung that they then bury it at track number eight. Whereas I think if Radiohead had the choice, they would have really put it up. I love this song. I was really worried that I would not love it anymore because just the bends wasn't that interesting until I really dug into it and High and Dry wasn't that interesting and then you just get here and you're sort of like... Like, oh God. (laughs) Um... (laughs) You know, but then, and I just stayed there, like with that chord, and then I thought, okay, this is just gonna go bad. And then it, you, and then you get to that second chord, and you're like, nope, it's okay. 
I know. I'm gonna be it okay. <laughs> like that's you hit that uh, whatever that D. It's a D major F sharp nine F D major nine F sharp. Right. It's a D major nine F sharp, and it's just wonderful. Oh my god! It's just okay. wonderful. I think you're totally right about the sequencing thing, but it almost feels like they had to do it that way because they had to have high and dry on the album. Apparently the record label just sort of forced their hand and then fake plastic trees feels like them taking high and dry and then just blowing it up Mm -hmm. and being like you, okay, that song I wrote a long time ago, this is what I can do now. And so it's just full of wonderful chords. Uh, the dynamic shifts are amazing. So, the, you know, the chorus comes in, and instead of getting big at first, it gets soft. Because it goes, where's your eye? So it really brings you into those words. Because you have to, it drops down in volume. You really can pay attention. And then it just builds back up again. By the end, he's almost screaming. Yeah. When he's talking about the, she looks like the real thing. So he's singing a verse melody like you would the chorus. It's just stunning. His vocal, York's vocal performance with on this is so astonishing. I'm just floored by it. With these chords, I want to kind of nerd out a little bit again. Okay, if that's okay. Please do. Just because you know you start with it's it's an A major. It's very clearly an A major, and they don't it doesn't deviate. It's, there's not any sort of like there's not notes that are out of the chords. You know what it does is you have A major, and then it you have this sort of like lift to the D major area, right? Like with this chord, which is the fourth. Like so, it's the perfect fourth, which is like the perfect like sort of consonance. This is melodic. This is easy feeling. But then he puts that sharp f sharp minor which is actually the minor sixth which is dissonance and like tension right mm-hmm. in the same chord and that like so that's why it's like this that's why it, when you listen it's like you feel great and then you're like what is going on right I know. you're immediately like and, it, and it's just this it like na- this chord like navigates like both feelings you have resolution and tension at the same time ah, i mean i you know like it's it's in this the whole song you can kind of play without moving your ring finger almost hmm. if you're depending on how you finger the chords and so i don't know if that's that's how we wrote it and i i don't know how much he went into the theory but like that's how it works that way i find yeah and then you know you have the the chorus is like that the that b chord with which also is like a D and a B, so it's like a second minor and the fourth major, and so you just you play with that and then resolving to the tonic, yeah, of the A. But it's so quiet and impaired with the wears me out, right? Like that out yeah. comes on the A, and so th- yeah, there's then there's this dissonance between the lyrics and the how the music's working. It just blows my mind. Yeah, the lyrics of this are apparently in that Astoria concert that we've mentioned a few times. I think this is, that's where he says this song was invi- um, inspired by Canary Wharf, mm-hmm. um, which is in London. Uh, it's sort of a, the new part of town. They you know rehabbed some of the dry docks and turned it into this shiny 
kind of fake SimCity feeling neighborhood, which kind of gives you, you can kind of make sense of the lyrics when you think about the artificial landscape that was created to cater to rich people. But I don't think you have to know that for this song to work. No, not at all. I mean, it's it's quite universal and sort of depressing that, you know, he was singing about this in 1995 and it's, I mean, it's just not changed. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if anything, it's got worse and we've just stopped worrying about it, you know. Yeah, I guess that's true. (laughs) But who can he, if I could be who you wanted. Is it he or is it you? No, it's if I could be who you wanted. Yeah, I mean, that, that part breaks me. I know. I've heard, apparently, after he recorded this vocal, he he broke down and cried. Yeah, I mean, that's in the, um, I read that in the Rolling Stone oral history of OK Computer. I just read, okay. the, I just read the Ben's, ver- the, like the Ben's time of it. And um, yeah, and I, I would break down and cry, too, if I sounded like this. <laughs> there was a bit of, there was a bit of confusion if he cried because it was really emotional about it or it was like the, it was the fifth time that he tried it. Oh, okay. It could also be a cry of frustration. So we really like this song. I, I think the one thing that I could do without okay. in this song is the strings. There, you just have that sort of string swell at the end, and I'm like, ah, this sounds very 90s to me, to all of a sudden throw in a string section. Kind of make it into like a power ballad right. almost. Right, okay. I would do away with I would. Prefer a version without the strings. But yeah, I, I get that. I would I would say that as well. This is a style of Radiohead that I enjoy, but is not my favorite kind of Radiohead, I guess. It it was my favorite kind of Radiohead. I mean, earlier, when I was a teenager, this like I complained about the sequencing earlier, but for me this was a one two punch. That you quite enjoyed. Exactly. I liked it to be one two punched. Um, <laughs> Please one two punch me. Yes, but I, and I have moved on from that. Okay, but, you know the nostalgia is strong. The nostalgia is strong. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's move on a bit. Okay. So the next song is Bones. But you got to feel it in your bones And you got to feel it in your bones When I used to fly like Peter How do you feel about this song? You know, I didn't like this song. I remember like not liking this song and if I'm going to be completely honest... <laughs> I really put off learning it until today. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, just because I spent so much time with the other songs and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like Bones. And I just had it in my head that I didn't like Bones and I was wrong. I like this song. You're right. It's so awesome. Much more, it's so much, <laughs> it's so much more fun than like, um, I mean, I have to sit here and like count out the measures. Like it's. Okay. Right. Cause it's in six, four for some of it. Yeah. And then goes back to 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, this song, it, especially in the core book, I mean, there are lots of sort of finer points that you could try to learn about it, but you can learn this song pretty quickly. I didn't really have an opinion about Bones before. I knew that it kind of broke, it kind of helped 
get past the two acoustic songs. It sort of gave some life back to the album. Mm-hmm. But I really like this song. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I mean, listen to this first line. I don't want to be crippled, cracked shoulders, wrists, knees, and back, ground to dust and ash, crawling on all fours. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, and the I mean, like in the chord book, right? The crippled and cracked are spelled with K's. My God, when it gets to the and I used to fly like Peter Pan, mm-hmm. I am a hundred percent in on this song. That part is unbelievable, and it sounds so silly. Yeah, when you read it, like I I used to fly like Peter Pan. All the children flew when I touched their hands. His voice is just like sailing above the band Mm -hmm. so it feels like it has this lift and so it works for me it's just a beautiful image and it it could go so wrong i wanted to have like a song on this first half of the album where it's like nope this is just a bad song um let's move on okay um which is why i put off learning it i was like uh you know what it's almost like, uh, what would that be in the 70s, uh, glam rock? Well, when I was when I was going through the chords, I mean, you realize that, like, um, that they've already used that with ripcord, right? Uh-huh. It's the same... And I was like, oh, they're oh, just no. recycling. Don't you dare bring up that. Don't you dare bring up that song. Hey, I've had to, <laughs> I, did, I was the one that had to record that one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot to say about this song. I just, it functions perfectly in the context of the album. And it probably was a lot of fun to play live. And I would take it over any of the rock songs on Pablo Honey. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, sort of like we were talking about with Lewis Mistreated last week, or not week, last time. I don't know how we put these out. Do you know, because they, um, the chords aren't outlandish here, like, you know, as I just demonstrated, exact um, chord back and forth that showed up in ripcord. They've also, like, done this strange time signature thing a lot. This is the first time I think it's 6-4 and 4-4. Four, four. They usually go, like, 4-4, four, 2-4, four, four, whatever. But it just works. You can just tell, like, it's almost like evidence that they're just getting better. Yeah, that's true. Well, let's let's not overanalyze this one. Nope. Right? I didn't. Should we move on? Okay, good. You did not. But you, I, I'm a little surprised because I, for some reason, I thought you didn't like this song. And oh, I didn't like this. I didn't like yeah. this song until like two hours ago. <laughs> See, folks, if you if you just learn how to play all the songs, the, you, you'll learn to love Bones. Right. But let's move but on n- to the last one for this episode, and that is Nice Dream. Open parentheses, close parentheses. Nice dream. Nice dream. Nice dream. All right, Austin. Is this a great song? Yeah. I mean, how, like, uh. I didn't think this was a great song until I learned, until I started learning how to play it. 
and I was floored. I just, this is the song I played more than all of them, more than Planet Telex, more than the Benz. This, for the past week, has been the song. And I never thought about this song before. Oh. Like, it never even occurred to me. Oh, I did. I thought about this song a lot. Really? But I'd, like, forgotten why I did, right? Okay. I mean, like, I just, you know, the first one was up, was like... that's nice right yeah and i was like okay this is nice but i was like okay high and dry fake plastic trees especially like when i was playing high and dry i mean you have that same two top ringing chords the whole time Mm -hmm. in both songs and i go okay i've i've played this right yeah and then i just for some reason it took me like a couple days before i got to that the solo part and the lead into that solo and i just i had forgotten about it and then i was just floored This song, I mean, this is a song that I'm so glad I'm learning now because I don't think I would have appreciated it when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Because you really, it is so important to keep it clean. Right. You need to have that, it all ringing out. And then it just sounds gorgeous. I was reading that this is actually another kind of old song, but then Johnny got his hands on it Uh and started putting things in. And I have to think that it's the the chorus part, yeah, that, which is just a mesmerizing section and a mesmerizing collection of chords. Yeah, I mean, it's especially the chorus number two, right? We're just like that, like. Right. Oh, but that's the one. Well, okay, that's 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 the one. This like B eleven F sharp, right? Like yeah. And you go up here, but then what I wasn't prepared for was this. Oh, to go back into the ah, and then then he, I hit that chord sh- and I was like, oh, it's coming. And then like that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, this is a song that you just don't. It's full of surprises. Mm-hmm. You're not expecting that solo, and then when it comes, it gets really aggressive. Yeah. And then uh, that solo is amazing. And then it's like they drop you from the cloud mm-hmm. and you just fall back to earth and you get back to that um, chord sequence for the, the nice dream. And it's so delicate. And it's like, uh, yeah, you're in a parachute gliding back down right. to earth after this solo. Here's the question. Why did it take us learning it on guitar for us to appreciate this song? Is it not the best version of it on the album? It is, again, not helped by the strings. Okay. The string the string line is just something, it's very conventional. It sort of makes the song boring. But if you play the song by yourself without that sort of string humming in the background, it doesn't sound as melodious even the opening is like you're just it's very chromatic you're just running down it's already sort of off in that it's smoothed over by the strings i think i don't yeah that's my guess i will say um i had a friend in high school he played drums but he didn't have the most adventurous listening habits I, I was trying to make him appreciate radiohead like any good radiohead fan i was trying to push the bends on this guy who only listened to blink 182 Oof. and he 
was like, um, Nick, every song starts with an acoustic guitar. And he's like, every song sounds the same. If you think about it, <laughs> he's wrong. But we, you know, we have High and Dry, which starts with that sort of acoustic guitar, then Fake Plastic Trees, then Nice Dream, and then just actually starts with like an acoustic guitar pattern. And so he was not wrong just about the first five seconds of each song. Right. <laughs> which again is a problem of the sequencing, I think. I think that this song didn't, they didn't quite figure out the best way to attack it as a band. Yeah. And I think that playing it alone, you realize like how amazing. This was actually con in contention for a single in the very beginning when they were recording. I think this could have been recorded better. I would have, this isn't one of the ones that Nigel sort of snuck in on and produced for them. No. The only one on the album is Black Star. Right. And then the B-sides, though, I think he did. And maybe that was why, I mean, we really liked the B-sides. Mm -hmm. Or at least the sound of them, for sure. I think that, like, had Nigel, if they had, like, made it, waited one more album for this song, okay. it would have been, I mean, I, it's still an amazing song. But you realize how amazing it is when you sort of break it down just to the bones of it. Um, no pun intended. Yeah. I'm very interested about next week. So next week, we're going to get to the next half of the bends, which will start with just, well, we've already done My Iron Lung, but we'll mention it briefly. Then Bulletproof, I Wish I Was, Black Star, Sulk, and then Street Spirit, mm -hmm. Fade Out. And I think that's this. There are going to be some interesting opinions on this next week. I, 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 ho I hold out hope for criticism, but I'm not sure. Okay. I'm going to be a little tougher, I feel like, on this next week. But we'll see. All the songs on the Anyone Can Play Guitar podcast are by Radiohead and performed by Nick Kendallsberger and Austin Diaz. 